Speedrun Podcast is a podcast project started in January of 2020. The primary goal of the podcast is to give insights to different games and categories involving speedrunning through interviewing different speedrunners. The secondary goal is to promote the speedrunners out there so more people can enjoy their content and hopefully try out speedrunning for themselves. We'll also dive into other subjects regarding speedrunning such as mental health within and outside the speedrun itself and how it can affect the runner tools needed for different runs and games, the different attitudes, restrictions, and open-mindedness of different speedrunning communities. But before we start the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce the first guest of episode number one of the Speedrunner podcast. Zuyo007 is a 28-year-old streamer from the good old United Kingdom. He's been playing video games since he was five years old, and to him it's more of a passion than a hobby. Zui is mostly known for his Crash Bandicoot speedruns and various let's plays on Twitch.tv. And in this episode we're going to be discussing how he got into speedrunning and why he enjoys it. The ups and downs of speedrunning and mental health and how it can affect you in a positive and a negative way. As well as the different categories and the true categories of different games. As well as comparing speedrunning to sports and esports. Now I won't keep you guys waiting any longer. Let's get on with the podcast. Alright everybody, welcome to the Speed Runners podcast, the very first episode, episode number one. We are here today with Zuio. Welcome Zuio, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you for inviting me to be your first guest. Well, thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Uh, so, um, let's just dive into the first questions. Uh, how has your day been? Uh, my day's been pretty good, uh, apart from the, the wind and the rain that keeps knocking me offline, as probably everyone knows by now. Which is a massive problem when you're a streamer, when knowing the wind and the rain can affect what you're doing a lot. Oh, you mean like the, it can cut out your internet and that kind of thing? Yes. Ooh, yeah, that's that's a rough one there. Um, but um, speaking of uh, things that can get uh, ruined by weather, which can mm -hmm. also be called uh, RNG. Oh. Oh, nice segue. Not really. Uh, how did you get into <laughs> How did you get into speedrunning? Um, that's a good question because. Uh, when I was basically like, what, seven, eight years old, I used to play Crash Bandicoot 1, like, religiously, like, almost every day for, like, years and years. And pretty much when I was, like, nine, ten years old, I thought, usually I would always play a game, but I never really gave much thought of how fast I can complete it. So one day I literally just sat down by my, uh, on, on the city, grabbed the actual controller, and I got, like, um, I guess, like, an hourglass, because actually my parents had, like, an hourglass that I could use. So basically what I would do is that I would basically uh, use the hourglass from start to finish and then if I actually was still going over, I would turn it over again and then try to figure out how much time was actually in there. Obviously when I was like 10 years old, it didn't really work as an accurate time measurement. But usually I got like through the game like two and a half hours. So basically it was like one full rotation, another full rotation and then halfway through the third one. It's like, oh, I'm done. So about two and a half hours, give or take. So I was like 12 and I actually got like a proper timer. I was like, okay, I actually finished Crash Bandicoot 1 in like, what, an hour and 40. So basically that's what was my, my first type of speed run, but I never really took much thought of it until I first joined Twitch when people, wait, this is an actual thing? So basically I started watching people like doing Crash Bandicoot runs and other bits and pieces. I was like, oh, this actually is a real popular thing. And that's basically where it all started for me. Oh, really? So how, how, how did you come up with the idea of using like uh, an hourglass instead of like looking at your watch or, or just a timer? Well, when I was when I was really about what seven or eight years old, and my parents didn't really have like a real accurate way of really measuring the time, apart from like a clock in the kitchen. So I didn't really have like a, a phone that had a timer or any other way to really properly record time. So I had to use what I had, and that's the only thing I could really think of. I never really thought about it much past just using that. I was thinking, oh, it's not going to really make much of a difference. It's just more of an average. Until I basically had like a phone which I could probably use for a timer. And that's where I could actually start to actually get a rough estimation of my time instead of going from estimates. I just didn't really have the means of actually be able to record at proper time. That's really interesting, though. Like, I don't. I I wonder how the speedrunning community in general would react 
if someone wants to use an hourglass uh, instead of an on-screen timer? Uh, I think they would get um, denied straight away, I think. Really? You think you think they deny it? I think so, because... Well, actually, I don't really know, because has, actually, has anyone even tried to do a, 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 an hourglass uh, timer? Because, I mean, it, it kind of depends on the game, uh, I would say. Like, if it's something like... Um, something like Tetris or whatever, I don't, I'm not really sure. Uh, but something that requires you to uh, have almost a, like a second or decimal value of your time, obviously an hourglass is not going to work. But if no. it's like uh, one of those uh, ridiculous categories like Final Fantasy X, Nemesis Percent, mm. no one's really going to bat no. too much of an eye. I don't think that's just my my personal opinion. It would be really interesting to see someone use an hourglass as a timer because most speedruns um, on the speedrun.com page, it just specifies that you have to show an on-screen timer. And technically, an hourglass is a form of time measurement. And if you show it in your webcam, it is on screen. So really, it's kind of kind of diffused there. But uh, obviously, if you're going for like a competitive time and world record, oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be denied pretty quickly. <laughs> I think if you're doing it just for the fun of it, just as, as like a meme or just like as a joke, I think you could probably get away with it. As long as you're not actually going to actually be submitting it as an actual official time, I think people would be very amused by that. Because nowadays you can get actually hourglasses with like the little shutters in the middle, so literally when you actually need to stop it, you can actually stop it right there. So you can try and roughly estimate how much sound is actually in, in both of the parts. So you can go, oh, it's, for example, it's like 13 hours and 31 minutes, for example got like these little shutter things you can actually use that like, slide in and out so you can actually stop the timer when you need to. That's actually really cool. Um, but that's, yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I guess there there is some math involved. Like, if you're skilled at maths, which I am not, <laughs> then you could probably calculate an exact amount of time if you had a certain construction of hourglass. But in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's a viable measurement. When it comes to speedrunning, at least. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But when I was younger, it's literally really all I had because we actually had, like, an hourglass. Because when I was actually at school, I actually was just given one by the actual teacher, so I used that. I mean, technically, in hindsight, I probably could have used, like, my mum's, like, uh, um, alarm clock. But I don't think she would appreciate the, the clock being missing downstairs when she had to get up for work in the morning. I don't think she would appreciate that. And the only, the, only other, the only other watch was my dad's watch we had on him at all times, so the only thing I really had was the hourglass. You just have to have your dad with you whenever you were speedrunning. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just sitting sat, up, sat beside me. Just show his hand, his watch on this on the stream camera. <laughs> yeah, that would do it. I'm pretty sure that would do it. But no, I only had like an hourglass as like my first rule way of actually being able to measure time until I was old enough to get like a phone with like a proper like timer. Yeah. So basically, once uh, you join Twitch, you started figuring out that people weren't only playing games there, they were streaming them in a speedrunning sense competitively on that platform. What was what was your what was your reaction? Like what uh, what did you want to do? Well when I first saw it, because like usually while I was doing speedruns, not I didn't really know really what a speedrun was actually defined as when I was younger. It was just something that like, how fast can I complete this game? I was thinking it's just how fast can I complete the game from start to finish. But like for example if I do it like it's example called Crash One I'll just go from Insanity Beach to Cortex without getting any of the gems or doing every gem along the way. I was like, oh, I did it in like an hour and 40. I didn't actually consider it to be like a speed run per se. It was more just, oh, I can complete it in that amount of time and I'm actually proud of myself. But no, I first joined Twitch. It was like, wait, someone's speed running? Uh, this seems familiar what I used to do. And I was watching people and people were like, um, commentating, saying like, that was really um, impressive seeing that I was like watching this Crash One runner. And watching him like do what I was thinking, I was thinking, how's that even possible? I mean, I could only do it in like an hour and forty. This guy did it in like forty-two minutes, and that was really when I was like, right, okay, I see. So, but people can get better and actually do it as like an actual thing competitively, and just or maybe not even competitively, just doing it as a hobby, just trying to see if they can get their game down as low as possible. And I was just blown away by it. Yeah, that's that's kind of my initial reaction when I first saw a speed run. Was like, wait, what? That this is a thing you you can yeah. skip parts. What? <laughs> but what do you remember? What the first? Um, maybe you remember the Crash Bandicoot was the first uh, game you saw. But do you remember who the first uh, streamer of a speedrun was? Oh, um, oh, that's gonna be a hard question to answer. I gotta try and see if I can uh, go back through my memory. 
Because I remember when I first joined Twitch, I joined a couple of channels. Um, I was like just trying to get my footing on Twitch, trying to figure out um, all the communities, all the different, like, all the games that you can actually watch. Because I was still, like, trying to look up all my favourite games I used to play, like Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy IX, VIII, VII, um, like, Ape Escape, Tide the Tasmanian, um, as a Tide the Tasmanian Tiger, uh, the one where you run around with, with a boomerang and stuff. I, th- I think it and is. And of other games. I, wa- no, I want to say Tasmanian Devil, but that's a different different thing. Yeah, I, I don't want to embarrass myself, but I think it's tied to Tasmanian Tiger after, like, after the actual uh, podcast. But no, I think the first person I watched doing a speedrun, I think, was um, W. Shand, I think it was. He was doing uh, Resident Evil 4, if I actually remember. Because um, I was just looking for new people when that came up on my actual recommended list years and years ago, like, like back in 2015. I was watching him like trying to go through. I don't really know much about Resident Evil Four, but I thought, "What's this Resident Evil Four speedrun?" And uh, I was just uh, captivated and watching him just running through everything, like skipping all. The- and it's like, "Oh, okay." Because usually, for me, I never back away from a challenge. I was like watching a guy that she skip everything. I was like, "Oh, that's uh, that's interesting." But yeah, I think it was actually was um, W. Shan that actually uh, was the first speedrun I actually watched, and I was like, "Wow, okay, this is actually something incredibly impressive." All right. Okay. Um, so mo- moving on to um, other parts of just not only speedrunning, but um, but streaming in general, I suppose. Um, but mostly focus on the speedrunning aspect there. What is what what is your goal with speedrunning? Is there something that you want to achieve, or is it just a way to pass the time because you enjoy it? Or uh, could you dive into that a little bit? Um. I guess the reason why I speedrun was when I first started, I want to try, I wasn't really competitive. It was just like, how well can I put my skills to the test to try and get my timer down further and further? I mean, I won't actually uh, lie about it. I actually got to a point when I was speedrunning where I actually got so crushed by trying to get better that I actually just completely wore me out, like trying to do Crash Bandicoot 1 on the Insane Trilogy. It's probably my best example. Where I was trying to place, trying to play so well and trying to get better. That I was like putting too much pressure on myself and just burnt myself out. But ever since then, I've been trying to like play this, the games. Like, I'm trying to go as fast as I can, but try and do it somewhat casually more than like trying to get a competitive time. Because I just, I can't force myself through to push you. And I mean, it sounds like a really bad example being a speedrunner, like, trying to put your skills to the test and try and prove yourself how well you can play a game. But I got to a point where I was just feeling burnt out from trying to push and push and push. So I'm more about it now. I'm just trying to actually play for fun and try to be entertaining while trying to do as best I can. And hopefully I can get PB that way and just trying to like sit down. I mean, I know you're supposed to like put yourself, uh, dedicate yourself to getting a better time. But I think for me, that's not really the best way for me to actually speed run. Some people can do it that way and be competitive and uh, others can't. I, I don't think I can really do it competitively, but I'd love to speed run in a casual sense. So that's really... Uh, a term you can really use for speedrunning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that kind of brings me into to my next question there as well, because uh, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of games, there's a lot of speedrunners, and some people they play, they do runs for fun. They want to challenge themselves. They want a reason to play a game again. And other people they want to be the best. They want to be top mm. ten, top five, top three. They want to be yeah. number one. How do you think? The that personal pressure and possibly even community pressure affects a streamer and a speedrunner um, when it comes to getting that number one spot. That's actually a really good question because that ties back to my last one we had was uh, because there was a few people in the Crash One NST community that wanted me to become top three. They thought if I put enough time into it and enough dedication that I could reach top three, and that was how I felt, felt burnt out trying to do Crash One. I every morning I'd try and wake up and I thought oh, I've got to try and do Crash One again today. And I was literally getting to a point where I was not feeling like generally depressed, but I was like just fearing having to like wake up and get ready to try and get myself for a Crash One run, and try and do all the actual training and just try and put in the time to try and learn all these skips and try and get consistent because it's not overly too difficult. But I just don't, I can't with what's with my eyesight being how it is. When I'm usually playing Crash One, it's more about just muscle memory more than like seeing it and then executing. It's more of a muscle memory. I suppose I got to try and do even more training than most people would have to try and do. And I think that's what really got to me was the pressure of the expectation of from a few people in the community of having to be number three, number five, 
or maybe even trying to push for number two, regardless of even being number one. I think that can be a huge deterrent for trying to do speedrunning. Some people can do it under pressure, some people can't, but for me personally, I can't do that. And I tried to do that, and it backfired badly. Not at the, at the people itself, but my own, I guess, emotional stability, or just like mental stability of trying to stay happy and trying to grind out the game. Yeah, so how... how... You kind of you kind of mentioned it a little bit there, um, but you you mentioned that oh I have to I have to get up and and do this thing like at that period in your life how how badly did you want to do it or did you do it uh, do the practice and the runs because the community wanted you to do it and get because they believed in you or did you personally want it like what at what let me rephrase it a little bit at what point did you feel like this is not worth doing anymore. I'm not doing it for me. If it even got to that point, um, it pretty much got to that point when I was like, got to top eight in Crash One with my like my forty six forty. I came back after like a month away from it. I actually got like a twenty five second PB on my first day back, and then someone in the community was like, if you could do that on your first day back, if you put in some real work, you could easily get top um, top five, even top three. That was their expectation of being top three in the world. And it got to a point where I'd wake up, I'd try and do the run, and I would get like 46, 50, 46, 55, 56, 50, like repeatedly getting like 46, 45s and being like come seconds away from my PB. And I just try to wake up, try to do practice, and during every single run, I would just fail it, and then I would fail again and fail again and fail again. And I was just getting to a point where I was just like, I, I want to try and get better, I want to try and see if I can get to that top three rank, but it's costing me. It's it's bearing on my actual being. I'm trying to actually get to that point. I just can't break through that barrier, no matter how hard I try. And I just got to a point where I literally hit the wall. And it's like I can't, I can't anymore. I I just can't fulfill the actual like the requests that people say that I can do. I just couldn't push myself over that barrier. Like some people can, I just wasn't able to break through it. And that's what got to a point where I was like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. So once once you reach that point, um. What was the next step for you? Was it taking a break? Did you switch to another game to speedrun? Did you play more casual? Or what was your your solution to getting your mental mental game back, so to speak? Mm. I, I basically took like a good like three months off from crash period. I just I couldn't do it anymore, so I went back to just doing like casual games on, on my stream. Just playing like uh, Fallout or just anything that anything people gifted me. I just went back for my back catalogue and just played really casual games. I want to try and get back into Crash 1 soon and see if I can get maybe back in the top 10 at least. Because I've gone down now from 8th down to 13th now. So I might try and do uh, a return at some point soon. It's just trying to cram in the actual practice and try and get my motivation back and try and get into Crash 1. Because I've done a lot of Crash 2 and Crash 3 since then, but... I think because I tried so hard in Crash 1, I burnt myself out and just trying to think about trying to get back into it competitively is just, I have to be careful with it. I don't want to go back to that stage again where I hit a wall and I just stop completely. I'd rather just like play it for fun and try and get a PB than just like cram in as much time as possible and try and get all the skips down and try and get to like top 8, top 5, top 3. I think that's going to be a better thing for me overall. I recommend the same for anyone. If you feel like you can't, you can't go anymore, Take a break from it and think, do you want to actually push past that point and actually get into a new PB or just play it for fun and play it for longevity even if you won't get to a high rank? That's some solid advice right there. But um, you mentioned you mentioned it was only Crash 1 there. You still played Crash Bandicoot 2 and 3. In what way does the mentality of the speedrun of Crash 2 and 3 differ from Crash 1? I mean, if you got burnt out if you want to use those words, from Crash Bandicoot 1, did, wouldn't it have the same effect of you running uh, Crash 2 or Crash 3? Uh, no, not for me, because I'm nowhere near as good as Crash 2. Because when I was younger, I used to play Crash 1 a lot. I played Crash 2 quite a bit, but not near as much as 1. And 3, I didn't play that much really at all, apart from just playing it really for the first time at home, and that was really it. My love was the original game where I first played. Because Crash 1 was the first game I actually ever played, like, in period. I mean, I, was, I saw other games before that being played. I was at, like, primary school when they had, like, this, like, SNES where people were playing Zelda 1, the original um, Zelda. I 
can't remember what's the name of the original first Zelda game. Isn't it just called the uh, The Legend of Zelda? I think that might actually even be it. I think that's just the original Legend of Zelda. I saw that being played there. I actually, I didn't actually play it. I just saw it, and then just like one day, about a couple months later, my dad actually brought me for my birthday, my sixth birthday, a PS One with Crash Bandicoot One and the, Stru- the original Destruction Derby. And uh, I played Destruction Derby for a little while, but when I played Crash One, I was just fixated on that game. I don't know why it, why it was. Maybe it was just my childhood imagination, but I was just fixated on playing Crash One so much. So when it came to like speedrunning Crash Two and Crash Three, I'm not so overly fussed on getting a really good time for Crash Two and Crash Three. They're more of casual speedruns, if I can even say that. I'm sorry, if anyone hates that term. All right, so it's more Often. there's more of an emotional and nostalgic connection yeah. to Crash One than Two and Three. Yes. Okay. Okay, then I understand. So for me, it's easier to speedrun Crash Two and Crash Three. I happen to really care about getting a really good time. I mean, I still don't want to like not try at all to get a good time, but I'm not so fussed if I actually fail at Two and Three compared to. Because my original thought when I first started speedrun, if I could actually get like my name up on the actual leaderboard, that would actually make me feel really good about myself. Being one of the best players of Crash 1, the first game I ever played would make me feel really good about myself. And technically, I'm still a really good player in, in the overall sense. I mean, I'm, I'm top 15 in the world in all categories in Crash 1. Yeah, that, in the that's, overall some, scheme of things. that's an accomplishment to take with mm. you, at least. But we've talked a, we've talked a bit about the, the negative aspects on, on speedrunning and... Uh, how it can affect your mental health and that kind of thing. But what what if you flip the coin? What what's the thing that makes speedrunning fun? What's the what's the thing that drives you to do it? If if you you want to use the uh, Crash One as an example, there, um, how come you didn't give up if it wasn't fun? Or do, and does it have to be fun? I think you don't have to have fun, but I think fun is going to give you a lot more reason to actually keep striving for a better time. Because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then you're not going to actually be able to put in the motivation for it. But the reason why I love playing Crash 1 is obviously from my childhood nostalgia. But it's just when you actually do play it right and you actually are having a really good day, you actually can just blaze through the levels and you can feel like you're doing really well. Like, I remember when I got my actual last PB, especially after like a month break, I was like playing exceedingly well. I managed to get like three of the four skips in the, in the whole run. Because I don't know what happened on that day and everything just fell into place. But after I actually finished, I was so happy with myself. And that gave me the motivation to try and push for a better time. And just be able to go through a level cleanly and smoothly gives you so much joy. Or at least gives me that much joy anyway. I'm not sure how people would feel about it. But that's what allows me to actually keep doing run after run is when I actually do play consistently well. That feeling of having another go, having another run, having another run. A little bit of like adrenaline kick kind of thing. Yeah. What would you say is the most uh, difficult thing about speedrunning? And we're looking at all the aspects here, not just the game, but like all the things as preparation and learning things, practicing, like everything that has to do with speedrunning. What is the most, the single most, uh, in fact, the the top three, if you can, the top three most difficult thing for you uh, in speedrunning? I think the three hardest things for me to do when it comes to speedrunning is the time commitment, is how much time can you actually commit to a game and how many days a week you can, or maybe even a month you can actually can commit to it. That can be a huge um, factor for how difficult speedrun can be. Also, depending on how long the speedrun is as well, because with Crash 1, any percent, you can finish that in about 50 minutes. You can get about maybe a good three runs in a day or four, depending on how long you want to go for. Uh, the second hardest thing, I think, is just how much you're committed to actually learning all the skips. Because a lot of the time it isn't just visual based, it's actually just to do with muscle memory. Because sometimes in some some skips are more of just timing more than actually skill. Like the Koala Kong skip, for example. Could you explain it for those who don't know what the what the skip is? Um, the Koala Kong skip is the boss in on Island 2 of, in Crash Bandicoot 1, where you have to fight uh, Koala Kong. And you meant to do it normally by avoiding the boulders and avoiding the TNTs that drop from above you. But there's actually a skip called the Koala Kong skip, where you have 30 frames per second, that's how you're supposed to do it. You can do it 60 frames per second, but the timing is so incredibly um, tight, it's almost impossible to do it, unless you get incredibly lucky. But the Koala Kong skip allows allows you to get behind the invisible wall or the actual wall that blocks you from the lava from his side and your side. But if you get the timing correct and you jump into the boulder at the right moment, you can actually get 
clip through the wall behind him and actually hit him for two bars of health. So they're only doing it for one from a boulder, which allows you to save about a good minute. And that's what defines a lot of the top times is that skip, because if you get it right, you can save 30 to five, a whole minute and a half. You get it wrong, and you're going to be behind by about 40 seconds, which will break a run at that point for high-tier play. All right, okay. And that's more about vision. You can actually get it right with timing every single time, but with doing it the correct way, it's more about more luck, more than it is skill. And that can be incredibly frustrating when it comes down to something you can't control. And that can also be a huge factor on you if you continue to actually speedrun it or forget it and just do it the normal way, but you're going to be losing time regardless from that point. And I think the hardest thing about speedrunning is just... I mean, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, it's like how much you enjoy, because that is, at the end of the day, what will keep you in trying to actually go for for a better time or you step back and just play it casually is just the fun aspect. Because, let's be honest, no one wants to play something that they don't enjoy because that's why we play games, we play it to enjoy it. Same with speedrunning. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, that's going to be the biggest deterrent of you carrying on, I think, is just fun. In my eyes, anyway, that is. I completely agree with you. I mean, from a viewer standpoint, uh, I've seen a bunch of speedrunners who, they don't seem to be enjoying the game when they're running, but they're mostly like frustrated about like maybe missing out on a skip or getting some bad RNG or something like that, and they get frustrated. But I think deep down, they're still enjoying the game because otherwise they wouldn't be playing it, at least on some level. Yeah, that's like me with Crash 1. It's like, I love the game, I'll always love Crash 1. It's just in a, trying to do it in a speedrun style, and how much do I want to try and dedicate myself to try and get that one perfect run, where everything falls into place. And it comes down to training, but sometimes it can come down to, as people say, RNG. Because no matter how much you practice or train, some games will just come down to, will you get lucky on this one attempt that you need to, and everything else falls into place. And that's what will make and break people's mentality on trying to keep doing a speedrun that they actually love or they they love to hate, I guess, or hate to love. Yeah, one one of the two at least. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Right. So uh, my next question is actually quite uh, quite good because you've run the original Crash Bandicoots and you've also ran the remastered versions. Do you prefer the original or the remasters, and or are there any kind of advantages or disadvantages to? Uh, the original and the the remastered versions. I mean, yes, there is. I mean, uh, with the original Crash Bandicoot with one, two, and three, um, I actually found running Crash One OG easier than NST because Crash One in NST is feels a lot heavier. I mean, when I first played it casually when it first came out on the very first day it was released, I actually was getting a feel of Crash's controls, and I could tell straight away that Crash. I don't, want, I don't want to say heavier, but obviously they tweaked the controls of how long you can stay in the air for. But it was such a noticeable difference that I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting in certain levels. And yes, I was right when it come to uh, Road to Nowhere. <laughs> because that was the easiest level in the game for... Sorry, the high road. Sorry, the high road. I apologise. Because uh, in the high road, that's my favourite level, actually, speedrunning in the original Crash 1. But it's my least favourite level now to actually run in... Uh, NST, if I'm funny enough. And that has to do with the way uh, that the character handles in the remastered version now? Yes. Because in the original um, High Road, um, you could be able to jump over every single gap along the way, turtle or or no turtle. But in the NST, even for... um, Because basically, I could quickly explain it, because I can tell that Crash can jump about three planks worth in the High Road or Road to Nowhere. Which doesn't really make much uh, make really much difference unless you have to use the turtles. But in the OG speed run, you can literally just keep moving all the way through, having to worry about having to jump on a turtle to give you extra height and, and speed, because you can just move that much faster and crash just moves that much faster in the air. But when you're moving in the air with crash, you actually feel a lot heavier and you can't go as far. For example, yeah, that does sound like it's like a noticeable. Uh difference at least from a speedrunner's perspective i'm I'm sure that uh, people playing it casually probably won't notice it unless they're switching back and forth no they they wouldn't notice it no but also i mean there's also pros and cons to both like for example in crash one for the um, 100 category you had to like you had to do every level in crash one with, um, after the first checkpoint without dying, if you died after the first checkpoint in any level, you'd have to completely restart. But in the NST version, you only have to restart on the coloured gem levels, which can be a massive, uh, I guess, a massive 
Breath of Fresh Air because I knew a lot of people back in playing OG Crash 1 got so annoyed they had to keep restarting constantly if they made one mistake past the checkpoint. But in the NST, you can actually die multiple times on a clear gem path, but you can't die on a coloured gem path, which gave a lot of people a lot of uh, reassurance that they can actually get the whole game finished. Because I spoke to a lot of people back when I first joined Twitch, when I was watching people, and a lot of people just could not finish Crash 100% because they kept dying on certain levels. And they had to redo it again and again and again, and at some point they said, no, they can't do it anymore, and gave up. Which is a real shame, because some got really close, but just one level or two levels were stopping them from finishing it, which is a real shame. But with NST... That problem was um, taken away, which is uh, really nice. Maybe uh, there's an off chance, but maybe the developers were watching and like, hmm, maybe we should do something about this. <laughs> I doubt it, though, but you never know. <laughs> I know. I think when um, Vicarious Visions actually started making the game, because that's who actually developed and made the game was Vicarious Visions, and it actually had a role in, play- in inducing other Crash games, like on the Game Boy Advance, they made uh, Sp- um, Crash's Big Adventure and a few other games for the Game Boy. They took a lot of community feedback, especially I think from the um the crash um the crash Discord community and also other places. They took a lot of um notes from that. So I think they made it a lot more I hate saying casual friendly, but I think I have to in this case. They made it a lot more friendly for casual people. I don't have like the sort of skills that speedrunners have to demolish a level, for example. Yeah. But yeah, also good points as well for like NST and OG is like in NST you can actually hit any TNT and move um, straight on or nitro boxes because in the OG version you have to hit every single um, TNT box and wait for it to explode but in the NST version you can hit it and move on because if you were to do an OG hit TNT and move off screen it wouldn't explode that would cause you to miss a, a box at a level ah, for example okay yeah that uh, that speeds up the process a little bit as well I suppose mm. also in certain levels in Crash 2 where you try to outrun a boulder you have to basically wait on screen for the boulder to destroy the nitros, but if you had just ran on ahead and you were that far ahead of the boulder, it wouldn't actually it'd go over the nitros, but wouldn't explode them, so that's how you'd miss boxes there. So, I mean, there's, there's cons and, uh, pros and cons for both, like, NST and, and OG, but I think they both do pretty well, considering, like, Crash was made back in, what, 96, 97, 98, respectively. Yeah. They did well for the time, and NST just tweaks it a little bit to make it more friendlier to the everyday gamer. My next question is gonna seem like it's a little bit off topic but bear with me okay um there is uh there is a follow follow up question to it but have you ever um participated or played any any sports or are you into watching sports of any kind um i don't really watch sports i'm not a massive sports fan I mean, te- I guess I can technically break out the Final Fantasy X meme of uh, Jets. Um, he never enjoyed watching other people play, I guess. No. I was always the one that actually enjoyed playing more than actually watching other people play. But I used to play, back when I was in primary school, a lot of football. Because uh, I don't know why, but I was just naturally drawn to being a goalkeeper. I don't know why, but that's just what I felt most comfortable playing. I'm not sure if it's because I was just that lazy. I just want to stay in goal in one spot. Or Suzu saves the day. Yes. Or oh, that, that 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 thrill of being able to like save the ball and like keep our team in the game. I I guess for a better pun. Yeah. How long How long did you play? Um, I think I played for like a good like three years in the primary school team. Um, in that in that sense, and I usually I even have a bit of an embarrassing story. It's like usually when I was playing um, football, especially when I was in goal, I'd be doing a lot of like the moves that Crash would be doing, like his uh, animations, like. For example, when he has like his arms by his side, he literally like looks to his left, looks to his right. I'd look like, what's that kid doing? I'm in my own little world going, do, 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 looking left and right. And people thinking, what's wrong with that kid? But no, I usually I just like daydream a lot of the time. But no, I usually love to play in the goal, but I'd also daydream a lot of me playing games when I get home as well. But that was my primary school days of playing sports. But when I went into middle school, that was a bit different. Did you quit completely, or did you uh, did you continue? Um, I didn't really quit. It's it's got to the end of uh, primary school, and then because usually I loved doing PE. That was my favorite subjects doing sports. I never really committed to one thing. It was more just the. I mean, my love was always games. I mean, I liked doing sports, but I guess at the end of the day, I was only doing PE when I was actually there and just loving doing sports. But I never really made it a dream of mine to be like a professional player or whatever. You just enjoy playing it for the time being. Yeah. I mean, I didn't hate playing football. I mean, I loved playing football. I just didn't actually see it as more of like a, a hobby or more than a hobby. It was just while I was there, I just loved playing the actual um, sports with everyone. 
So the reason uh, the reason I asked about the sport thing is um, because speedrunning is becoming more and more competitive. It's getting more picked up as well, and it has been over the year. Um, I mean, there there are events and such for it, but it's also some people are starting to consider speedrunning a form of esports. I know Dreamhack, for example, who are known to putting on big uh, LAN parties and big uh, esports tournament. They're actually adding um, speedrunning as a section there now as well. How do you think speedrunning compares to the likes of, well, sports in general like football or hockey or cricket and uh, even esports? Do you, do you think it could be classified as a legit esport or is it a separate thing? Um, that's a really good question, actually. I've thought about it before, but never really in much depth. But I think if everything's in the right place with the right game and the right people, I think it could be really entertaining to watch because if you have like two people with similar skills side by side, I mean, I've seen quite a few community streams of doing that just in general races. And you see like, and there's one person I was watching or two people I was watching doing a Crash 2 run um, last year. And I think there was like a second and a half between them at the very end came down to literally the wire. And it came down to one person not getting like the last hit on Cortex properly before going actually uh, past the boulder. I'm uh, sorry, past the asteroid. And that cost them the race. And it was literally came down to like second and a half. And it was thrilling stuff to watch from start to finish, them being that close. A second and a half? That, that, now yeah. that's a race. That's a race mm. when it's even. And if it came down to that in a proper like esports like scene with like, like 10,000 people watching and, and watching it that closely, I think it could be a real. Therefore, for example, that could be a real good way to actually attract attention to it, for example. Yeah. Because they were like, they'll get quite far ahead and they'll pull back a little bit from a couple of input mistakes. But overall, that was thrilling to watch. It was like a proper, like, it was like, like watching like Counter-Strike or, for example, like a, a proper um, eSports tournament, Counter-Strike. It was like watching like every movement mattered and like the slightest moment would actually change the whole thing. So I think it could, in the right circumstance, actually be as popular as normal eSports. Yeah, maybe one day. I mean, we'll have to wait and and see what happens. But you mentioned the races there, and I I know part of the answer here already, but uh, I've still written it down, so I'm gonna ask it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but have you partaken in any races, and which which ones? And was it for something special or just a bit of fun? Um, I have I've done a couple of races with a couple of people. Me being one of them. <laughs> yeah, with you being one of them. Hey, see. Yeah. But no, I've done a couple of races with you. I've done a couple of races with Cloudy Final. Um, also, a couple of people called um, um, Killer Seth as well. I've done a couple of races with him. But it's more about just uh, more of a friendly thing. Really, I've never actually done like a proper race in like a like a when it gets like half the bits of the, of the whole show, for example, which I know like some people do. Like Spike Vegeta, you do like half of the bits that he actually got from that stream go to the winner. But I've never been in like a proper race. It's more been like a casual, friendly race, more than actually like a prize. For example, like a prize race. Yeah, I'm I'm with you for that one. Like the whenever, like when I when I ask you, uh, when if you want to do a Final Fantasy Nine race, for example, it's always for the spirit of fun. Like there's no, yeah. there's no. It, it, it for me it relieves the thought of having to PB. PB is a plus, but it's more about having fun, having someone to talk to, and if you're you're getting a brain fart. It's like, uh, what was the menu here? You you can ask. You have someone to yes. ask and get an immediate response. So it's yes. more, for me, the races I've done, they've been more of having fun slash practice and learning experience, really, more than anything. Yes. Nothing competitive, really. Uh, the only the only competitive I I personally have done is when I raced uh, Leonis 07 and Jade Cocoon uh, a few years back. Uh, but even then, even though it was, we were both going for the world record, it was still in the spirit of fun. We were having fun doing it. We were helping each other with strats um, and that kind of thing. So it didn't feel like, oh, it's on, you're you're dead. That kind of thing. Yeah. It was more of a, all right, good luck on you. I hope you get world record or I hope I get world record or someone's going to get world record. End of the day. I mean, it's one of those things, like, I mean, there's always going to be good people and bad people in those situations. Like, when I was watching, like, a couple of weeks ago, this com- compilation of, like, people at Smash tournaments, I mean, I hate to use Smash as an example, but it's probably one of the more well-rounded, well-known things of good slash bad sportsmanship. Um, of, literally, people, the moment they actually, they know they've lost, they completely, like, throw their control on the ground or, like, threaten to hit, hit someone. 
I mean, he even got to one, one point where someone actually even punched the actual person because they actually won. He didn't, he didn't do anything. He literally just lost and all of a sudden just punched him because he lost. What? All right. That's a bit yeah. too far. But I mean, yeah. in in that sense, I, I'd say it's uh, it's a little bit different than a speedrunning race. Uh, it, just in the sense that the... Uh, well, esports in general is a very competitive scene, especially when you have... Uh, all the players near each other but the fighting scene the fighting game scene specifically is even more uh, competitive because it seems to me they're encouraging smack talking and when you're smack talking even though it's in the spirit of fun sometimes it people will take it personally on one level and that will heighten spike your emotions and unfortunately sometimes People will just throw a punch in your face if you're being an asshole. I mean, I can I can see the reason why they do it, but it doesn't give them the right to do it. If you know what I mean. Absolutely, because... I agree. I agree. I, I'm just saying that there's there's a higher chance of it happening at a fighting game competition than there is at a, for example, Dota two or CS:GO event. Yeah, because also with those esports teams that are under contracts as well, because it's not like someone. Uh, like a who's just like their own person goes to a fighting tournament and goes to try and win the cash prize, doesn't really care what their it's only their public image. But when they're actually in like a professional esports team, they're being represented by their sponsors. They have to hold themselves up to a certain degree of prof- of professionalism. Oh, but so so does some of the fighting uh, fighters as well. They have personal sponsors. They have to live oh, up to. Oh yeah. Because if you compare it to take for example the StarCraft two scene, um, that's a one on one heavy scene, and. Mm. Uh, they're usually part of teams who have sponsors. Some players even have personal sponsors on top of that as well. Um, so because of that, as part of the reason, like if they are um, frustrated or anything, they'll take it out when the cameras are away. Now, there's been plenty yeah. of cases that will prove my my statement wrong as well, but there's always an odd one out in, in, yeah, in everything. There's always going to be one. Yeah, or several. <laughs> But yes, because I was, because I can see why they get so angry when they lose because they put so much time and dedication, like me with Crash. But with me, it's my own fault. It's my own fail. I failed that run. But for people that go into like fighting tournaments, it's like the other day just got, and they just had to have a bad day, or it's just like they didn't put as much effort, or seen like they didn't put as much effort or time, and like they lose, and that's it. They're out of the tournament. All that time they spent trying to get to that point is over. Yeah. So I can see why they get angry, but just because you get angry doesn't give you the right to lash out on other people. If I was invited to a fighting tournament, for example, I'm not, not very good, but if I were to lose, I would take on the chin like, nah. But that was for me, I haven't put a time in, so I can't, I've got the right to be angry, but I would just take on the chin, shake the person's hand, well done, and then move on. But yeah. a lot of people can't seem to do that in the fighting tournament scene. Some people can, a lot of people can, but there's about a good chunk of people that can't just take on the chin and just walk away. Yeah, people react, people react differently depending on what state of emotion they're in as well. It's like the people who go... Um, I don't know if you have it in the UK, but in Sweden we have like you can buy lottery tickets that are scratch off, and if you get a certain number, you go on TV and you get to do oh, really? the same thing again, but it's a guaranteed win. And you either oh, wow. you either win like a fixed sum of twenty five thousand or five mi- <laughs> or five million. Really, it's one or the it's like what those, and then several steps in between, and it's the same thing there. Like someone's scratching off, and it's like oh, they got two five millions. They need three to get to get the win and then they just win the like 50 instead the the announcers are like yeah you just won 50,000 but obviously the person standing there's like yeah but it's not yeah. 5 million, million. <laughs> and you can tell the frustration but they're holding it back like yeah so what are you gonna do with the money oh I don't know I'm gonna go drink myself to death now because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't win 5 million yeah but I guess it's the same kind of frustration like you worked up to it you get to the finals of a tournament even though you win a prize pool, you you didn't win the biggest one, and it's still yeah. like it. It could be this could be like dissected into so many things, like the human psychology, like oh, we should be happy with what we have, we shouldn't be greedy. But at the end of the day, you're a part of a tournament to win the prize money, the biggest pool, and yeah. if you don't, you're gonna be upset. Then in hindsight, you might realize that oh, but I still get paid, so it's it's all good. I mean, I can see why they're frustrated, but imagine getting to, like, the top eight. I mean, you're top eight in that tournament out of, like, thousands of people that might have, like, for example, like, the Smash tournament, like, the Open Smash tournament, I think, was something like, like, a million people, something like that, close to a million people actually registered for the national tournament and had to actually go to official buildings across the world, whatever it was, like, official, 
centres. Yeah. And obviously a lot of people got knocked out in the first couple of rounds, but the big people got to the final 16 and then people got to the final 8. You think, you're the top 10 players in the world, dude. Yeah. I mean, how can you be frustrated with that? That's like, for example, if me and like top 20 people of Crash in the World got together and literally first um, first person to finish is the world's best player. Yeah. I mean, that's not necessarily true because you must have had a bad day. I mean, I've beaten some really good people generally when I've had, had a bad day just because I just pushed through but they couldn't push through or just had too much bad luck and just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just because, just because you actually fail doesn't mean you're not worth anything. It's just people can't seem... To, at the moment, it's, it's just their frustration just comes too much. Like sometimes when I was doing FF9 a couple of years ago, I don't even know if you can even remember it said Penguins, but one time I was doing FF9, I knew the run was dead after the, literally after disc one. I had like a 240 um, disc one. Yeah. Which is a really bad. She knows a really bad time. Even on Emily, it's a really bad that's time. A pretty, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, but yeah. that's a that's a pretty bad time, yeah. But I kept going, and I was positive all the way up until almost um, until um, um, after getting everyone back everyone back together after Cooch's Palace, and I got to. Um, oh, I'm so sorry that I have a brain fart. What's the name of the place after you get to the the, the, the beach on the Snow Snow Plaza? Um, Esto Gaza. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, it. Yeah. Sorry, Esto Gaza. And uh, I was trying to be happy and cheerful for like five hours after I knew the run was already dead. So uh, imagine how I felt after when literally, because I had like miss, 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 back attack, back attack, miss, miss for the majority of the run. And then I got to like my third fight with the Red Dragons and then I needed Vivi to die, but Freya missed. And then I had to like wait for, um, I had to try to attack with, I, I couldn't remember what I did at the moment, but I had to wait for Freya or someone to attack um, um Vivi. But then they got off another wind slash and that was it that killed everyone i literally just paused the game i just broke down in tears yeah i felt so bad for it i didn't get angry i was just so like i was trying to be positive and happy for five hours after i knew the run was already dead and after the run was getting worse and worse and worse and i was still trying to be happy but at that moment i was like i can't i just broke down in tears and ended the stream i felt so bad afterwards but it was better than like me being angry and like throwing something I was just like, I was trying to be happy for so long that I can't, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I know, like, there comes a point when you just, like, you can't take it anymore. I, I, I remember I've had a similar run uh, of uh, Final Fantasy IX as well. Uh, the whole run, it started off, like, the first three splits. I was in the green, we were saving time, it was all Gucci. But then it was the gradual, gradual descent into madness as I kept losing more and more and more time. And I think I was, was it like 10 or 15 minutes or 20 minutes? Could have been 30, I don't know. It was a lot of time behind, but I just kept pushing on. And I was like, oh my god, I just want something to kill me so I can end it, because I didn't want to quit. And then I get to, I think it was disc end of disc 3 or disc 4, and I somehow managed to save so much time. Um, I still wasn't ahead, and then I get to the last three bosses, I get the perfect death guys, I get an amazing Kuja, and I get a decent Necron, and I managed to PB by like, I think it was was it like 30 seconds or something, and at the end of the day, it was like, well, I PB'd, but I'm not going to submit this, because this was the one of the most garbage things I've ever done, and I don't want this PB to be stapled on my head. <laughs> so I, I don't think I submitted it because it was just the whole run was a nine, no, it was 10 hours of torture for a 30 second PB. It just, yeah, it, no, it, no, it wasn't worth Not it. going down that route. But I did it at least. And it was like, oh, everyone watching was very kind about it, but I was super frustrated. I, I didn't want to PB because I felt like if I PB'd, I have, I have to submit it. But then I thought about it and I was like, I'm not going to submit it. I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think like after a day or two, I reconsidered and submitted it anyway. Uh, because a PB is a PB, but you know what you're going to do. Right, so um, we've mentioned a lot, uh, we've talked a lot about Crash Bandicoot 1, 2, and 3. But you also speedrun Kingdom Hearts uh, series, Sam, and uh, we've touched a little bit on Final Fantasy Nine. But you also do, or have done in the past, at least some other Final Fantasy. But out of these games, could you like briefly, not, we don't have to go into too much details, but are there any different categories? Well, there are different categories for each game, but are there any that stick out that you think is more more fun than others? And which, do you think any of the categories in each of these games um, 
do you consider the main competitive category to be misplaced? That it's not Ooh. the true one? It's controversial, but... Well, uh, yes. Um, I mean, briefly, going for King Hearts, I mean, that's probably going to be the biggest kettle of fish. I mean, there's something like like five different... You've got four different difficulty settings. You've got beginner, you've got standard, you've got proud, you've got critical. And then in those difficulties, you've got like 15, 16 different categories in that alone. Oh, wow. So, for example, you've got any percent, you've got um, 100, you've got the full, like, Jimmy Journal completion. That's, well, that's, that's a whole 100% Jimmy, Jimmy Journal completion. Sorry, no, that's three different things. You've got any Jimmy, Jimmy Journal percent, which is basically just have to max out Jimmy's journal, and it's 100%, which doesn't only include that, but other things outside of the journal, like um, having to do certain things, like uh, having to do all, all, the, all the fights in the uh, Radiant Garden um, secret area, having to do all that. And that's just only three of, like, another four I could even mention, but I won't go into that. And so you've got, like, 18, like, 20 different categories, uh, sorry, about 67 different categories from all different difficulties combined, for example, just in King Hearts 2 alone. But... For me, I think my personal opinion I mean, is any percent and there's the hundred percent category or maximum percent depending on what you what you're playing because certain games have different maximum percent percentages. But for me, I prefer to do the whole game if I can because it's you're literally doing everything. That's my preferred category, even if some of them are do run quite long. Like especially when I did like last month, like last yeah, um, I think it was like December something. I did like the Crash Bandicoot three hundred and fifteen percent speed run. Doing um, Crash Bandicoot 1, 2, and 3, 105% for Crash 1, 102% for Crash 2, and 108 for Crash 3. That alone is a crazy concept to me that you can go beyond 100% because it kind of defies de- <laughs> defines the purpose of 100% if you can go, go beyond it. Because anything know, beyond I mean, that, uh... that's in a game, then that's not 100%. I mean, I mean, we could, probably, we could probably make an entire podcast on that discussion alone. Just, just that. Let's alone. just leave that topic for now. Then. Yeah. But, but going back to Kingdom Hearts, you mentioned there are a bunch of of categories there, and in in general, for most games, at least, I want to be as bold as to say, is ninety nine percent of all the games that are being speedrun, any percent is just the most competitive one in most of yes. the games. Is this the same way for Kingdom Hearts, or is there different versions of? any percent that are more or less competitive than just the any percent i mean there is quite a lot of different categories but i think actually the main category for most people is any percent and there's also a um one second i can't actually remember the full name for it, so i got actually referred to the thing very quickly that was it yes there's the data organization rta and cabinet of remembrance rta level one that's those, those actually are the main, but basically it's a it's a rush of bosses. The, the thirteen uh, members of the organization is one of the main categories actually considering everything. Oh really? So it's not not yeah. really going through like from new game finishing no. the story. It's another subcategory yeah. that's the main competitive yes. category. Surprisingly, it is for, for King Hearts too because it's literally you got to do thirteen boss fights really cleanly as fast as you can. And if I can pull up the time very quick for level one, that's I think that's the most competitive. With eight, you know, with eight people, I mean, there's actually only a second between second place and third place, for example, and that's literally doing all thirteen fights in four and a half minutes, pretty much. That's very, very interesting, though. I mean, because you're allowed to make a save file in the actual um the hall itself, and time starts the moment you actually activate the first boss battle loading screen. Yeah, that's very, that's very interesting, though. That the that just the concept of any percent not being the main competitive main, main category. One. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. For uh, Kingdom Hearts now, and I see like most of the or all of the top. Let's let's see here. In fact, every single what the hell? Every single run. The the most recent run on the main category is from three years ago. Yeah, that's the most recent one. That's insane yeah. for for any percent. I mean, that's some beginner. Um, but looking at standard, it's also three to four years. Proud three, six, and four years. And that's just the any percent one. That's yeah. That's that's very interesting. And considering how popular King Hearts actually is, or what King Hearts Two is overall, I mean, most people will say, "What's one of your favorite games for the PS2?" And a lot of people will say King Hearts. A lot of people, or at least in the top five games, will be King Hearts Two. Yeah. But that really, I mean, there's any percent. I mean, there's so many different categories. You can see it right there. But the main ones for King Hearts Two alone, is, I think it's any percent, and also uh, the Cabinet of Remembrance percent. Those are the main two. I can tell there are even categories for depending on what version of PlayStation you have, which is also very 
Very fascinating. But as you mentioned, we could probably do a whole other podcast just diving into that. Oh, yes. You mentioned uh, who the first speedrun you watched. You mentioned Mm. uh, why and how you got into speedrunning. But overall, this whole period of time, over these years, when you've watched speedruns and you've uh, done speedruns yourself, um, what is the single most impressive speedrun you have ever seen? Yeah, <laughs> it's a hard one. But if you, well, if you got I, one right on the top of your head, I think if I actually remember, if I go through through my memory, I remember um, someone playing um, Doom. That's probably one of the most standout ones for me. I guess that's probably not the most in, the best one I can think of off the top of my head. But why it comes to my mind straight away is that when I was watching the tw- Doom twenty sixteen, um, this guy basically leaving the very first lift after the tutorial level. And this guy literally just like, I was like, what's this guy doing? He's looking at a rock with his pistol. And I was like, watch it for like 10 seconds, watch him get it. And then all of a sudden, he just like does something and it goes flying across the whole map towards the end of the level in like 10 seconds. I was like, oh, uh, okay. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah, apparently that is a thing. And obviously me watching and thinking, oh, I wonder if I can do that. Couldn't do it at all. I literally had no idea what he did to even try and replicate. It. Almost sounds like the way, um, like I don't know if you've seen a GoldenEye speedrun for the Nintendo sixty four. I've um, seen a few people on YouTube that, like do like things on it. But basically, that in every video, they're not even looking forwards; they're just looking straight down. They've memorized the path; they know exactly what to do, and it's down to like the millisecond and everything. That to me is just incredibly impressive. Uh, that they have that kind of muscle memory to pull that stuff off. That's just. Yeah, that, yeah. I, like, I would never be that, able to that, do that. <laughs> that comes from literally having to like blindfold yourself pretty much and just like literally in your mind, to, like go hold up here for about two seconds and then hold left, press A there. Yeah. Uh, turn round, turn the stick like 45 degrees, carry on, yeah. etc. Exactly, exactly. Like how much you have to do to try and remember all of that from start to finish. I mean, it's not overly long, but from having to start to finish a minute and 10 seconds is a lot of, uh, sorry, about a minute and 13 because I think the world record's like a minute and 12 or something like that. So, Minute fifteen, for example, of pure muscle memory. Or obviously, you're seeing what you're doing as well. But at that point, you're literally just moving on muscle memory. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. So we're gonna we're gonna head into the the last question before we round things off. Uh, we've touched a little bit on this topic already, but I'm gonna give you a chance to uh, deep dive if you want to, or just share something different. But if you could give any piece of advice to anyone starting out who wants to uh, give speedrunning a try, what advice would that be? I think if you want to start speedrunning, you have to know from the start if you want to play it for fun, you want to be competitive, or somewhere in between. That's where you, that's where you have to first define which game you're going to be playing and how far do you want to take it before you even start, because that's going to be a huge uh, indicator of how far you want to take it. For example, with me, for just say I'm playing Serious Sam casually, for example, that's more of a sort of a funny thing because not many people actually really play Serious Sam, so it's not really a competitive category. So it's more of a tongue-in-cheek, more of a laugh, more than anything else. But if you want to do something like quite serious, like for example, Super Mario 664, and you want to actually become competitive, like how much time do you want to put into doing it? And if you feel like it's going to be too much, then just don't do it because... That you can try and do it, but if you try and push too hard, you might feel like I did and get burnt out after a while, and you have to take a long break and then consider if you want to try and do it again or just take a different approach. So I think the best thing you really can do is to know what you want to do first. I would do it competitively, do it casually for fun of it while trying to be entertaining, or a little bit of both. But I think the best thing is to just know what you're going to be doing from the start, because that will save you a lot of, I guess, emotional stress and uh, physical trauma i guess you know in a sense yeah save you some heartache yes um all right so before we uh, we finish off um we're gonna do three quick questions uh mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna answer them as quickly as you mm-hmm. can there's only three of them okay. as quickly okay. as you can and uh you're not allowed to give more than three seconds of thought you just have okay. to answer on top of your head. Quickfire round! Yeah, kind of, but it's only three questions. This, this, this list will probably expand as the podcast goes on. But, first question. Top three pizza toppings, go. Uh, 
chicken, pepperoni, and cheese. All right. Question number two. If you had to speedrun only one game for the rest of your life, which game would it be and why? Uh, King Hearts 2, because that game I've put in almost as much time as King as uh, Crash Bandicoot 1, but with King Hearts 2, the combat is just so fun for me. I could probably do that and just do like a boss rush or the whole game for a very long period of time. Alright, and the final question. If you were trapped on a desert island that had modern-day housing with electricity, plumbing, a bed, a kitchen, a computer, and internet, what one item would you bring? Uh... An, in, an, an infinite bag of fudge. An infinite bag of fudge. That's mm-hmm. a great, great. Because I, I can just knock them on that all day long while playing games. Yeah. <laughs> infinite bag. I thought it would be Skittles, to be honest. I love Skittles, <laughs> but I'd probably rot, rot, rot away my teeth pretty quickly. At least with fudge, True. it probably wouldn't do that so, so quickly. True. Not as quickly, but eventually. <laughs> yes. All right. Zuyo, is there anything you would like to say to those listening? A promo or anything at all? This, the floor is yours. But yeah, guys, if you actually um, want to watch me do speedruns, casual games, I'm going to try and see if I can get into doing more speedruns this year. going to try and do like Final Fantasy VIII and X, and maybe even try and get back into FF9 runs this year. King Hearts 2 runs, I want to try and see if I can try and do the full Jimmy General completion, start learning that very shortly. Or just, in general, me um, playing games and acting like a fool. Uh, you can come watch me at um, twitch.tv slash 007. And you can come join in the uh, crazy antics. Hopefully you'll we'll have a good time. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you, Zuyo, for being on the show and the very first episode of the Speedrunner podcast. I've been Sir Penguin. You've been watching or listening to, or maybe both, the Speedrunner podcast. Enter quirky and fun outro catchphrase here. Goodbye. Goodbye.